Johnston, the intern whisperer. My podcast is brought to you by Employers for Change, a DEI skills and culture recruiting and learning platform. Today's tip of the week is about employee engagement and retention. Let's first define these terms to better understand how employers can strengthen their culture. Employee engagement measures how connected your employees are with each other and your business. This obviously makes sure that it's reaching your customers. Their work matters to them, and so does their co-workers' success. So you want to make sure that you are really honed in on what this means for your customers, your culture, and also for your employees. Now, employee retention, we obviously can understand that. It's your ability to have a low turnover rate. Nobody likes to work in a place where there's constantly turnover. I worked in one place where in a grant that I was preparing, it said there was an 87% turnover rate. That is just so scary in so many things. You know that you never have consistency with the your customer experience, that employees are always wondering like who's next, and people are moving out of fear. You don't want to have that in your company. So you want to pay attention to having a really positive culture, having it start with the onboarding process. And what that would look like is making sure that you have less in employee turnover. So there are fewer employees that are leaving for other opportunities. That's a good thing. This reduces the need to hire new employees to replace those that are leaving. So welcome to the Intern Whisper. Our show's all about the future of work and what it will look like in 2030. Today's guest is Andrew Weiss, and he is the owner of Weiss Wisdom, a rapid sales and accountability coach. He's been one for me, and we had that little sesh before the show started. Everybody should use, un, you know, a shameless plug for you. Everybody should use Honestly Andrew because he's the best. He's a virtual event consultant, public speaking coach, podcaster, and he is, I think, Chris's right-hand man that makes PodFest just, just go so smooth, so smooth. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I do what yeah. I can. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I am so excited that I finally get to have you on the show. So it's been one of those things that's been coming for sure. So uh, yes. I kick it off by asking, what are five words that you would use to describe you and why those five words? The five words I'd say that describe me are courageous, adventurous, growth-minded, caring, and community-oriented. And I'd, I'd say courageous because, you know, it's kind of funny in, in Game of Thrones where they, Jon Snow, they always say, you're either incredibly brave or incredibly stupid. But the thing about the human evolution and the humans evolving is that you have to be brave. You have to be courageous to try new things. And I don't know if maybe it's part of my shiny object syndrome and always want to try new things, but I, I've had no problem being courageous and standing up for what I believe in and advocating for myself and others and, and trying new things. And so I've always seen the, the benefits of those. And then when it comes to adventurous, goes back to, you know, I think life's too short to sit at home all day and do nothing. So might as well get out there, explore the world, try new things. I am kind of an adrenaline junkie, admittedly, because maybe it's after watching the movie Gladiator when he's like, oh, and when death smiles at you, all you can do is smile back and I just might as well take life by the horns. And then with growth minded, love learning, love growing, love getting better. And as someone who loves personal development and always likes to be happy and optimistic all the time, 
progress is a big part of that. And so as long as I feel like I'm making progress and growing, it helps me stay happier. And it's fun to look back on, see where I was and where I am and where I want to be. When it comes to caring, you know, I know what it's like to not feel cared for. I know what it's like to feel like no one cares about you. No one loves you. Like, why are you even here? And so as someone who comes from that place, like I love showing love and showing care to others to show that they matter too. And then with community, community oriented as someone who advocates for, you know, happiness of the many and, and wanting to leave this earth better than I found it. That's why I'm always advocating for communities as well and bringing people together and having people connect with each other and the rising tide lifts all boats mentality. So those are the answers I would give. Oh, those are good. I'm going to throw one out here that was a story from PodFest and your wife shared it. And so to me about adventuresome, I think that this actually nailed it because you both are. She shared that story about how she had just met you at this. You sent her a ticket and said, here, come fly down to meet you. And you barely knew each other at all. And she jumped on a plane, went to meet a man. This is what I believe she said at the podcast. Jumped on a plane to meet a man she barely knew, didn't have any information to leave anybody behind. And so there she was. And then you guys are married. So yes, no, it was, it's, it's a pretty cool story. And obviously it's awesome. We met through PodFest, the, the yeah. podcasting event that I helped run. And so she was a speaker, I was running the events and then I slid under her DMs and apparently it was a pretty charming message because she answered me back. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, we had a couple of zoom calls and I felt like our, our chemistry was just off the charts. And so I, I, yeah, she was in California at the time. I was in Oregon. So better than flying across the country, but it was still super cool how she took a leap of faith herself to adventure over to Oregon and spend a weekend together and see, excuse me, if there's anything long-term that we could do. And of course, here we are, we're about seven months married now and been together about two and a half years. And so going, going, going strong. Yeah. It's a Cinderella story for sure. Oh um, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, the kind of story that most women go, Oh, I'd love that. So that is true. I think of you about the adventures and also growth-minded. You've been on this journey of health where every day you post that, you know, whatever the day is, this is what your workout is. This is what you completed. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, so it, it's kind of funny. The, one, of, one of the reasons I posted that is because people always say the phrase overnight success and they don't recognize how much work, how much time, how much tears went into that quote unquote overnight success. And I think the standard phrase is like 10 years to an overnight success. And I, I thought about that and I was thinking, you know, why don't people think about applying that to your physical health too? Like people are like, oh my gosh, they're in good shape because of their genetics or they're in good shape because they get lucky a, a few days of the week. And I'm going, you know, I, I do work hard for my body and I want to show people that I work hard for my body so that when I'm working out, able to do all these push-ups, do all these pull-ups, you know, my goal is to dunk a basketball, show that I wasn't just lucky when that happened, that I've been putting in the work, I've been staying healthy. And of course, unlimited benefits come with being in great shape and doing workouts and getting your dopamine, your serotonin for the day with little walks outside, exercise, pushing yourself. And just really, not only does it build your, your physical strength, but your mental strength too. So I, I love working out at least three times a week. And then of course, 2022 is working out four times a week, but if my new trainer, I'm working out three times a week, but the answer is, yeah, no, I, lo I love posting about it to inspire others to show them that it's okay to put in work for your body too. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So uh, the reason why I'm pointing those specific things up, because you're not all about just podcasting, but podcasting is a lot <laughs> that's in your daily life. And I think that the fact that you're sharing the personal side of your life, whether it's finding a significant other or the workout, you know, you're, you're walking your talk match. So yes, no, it's yeah. It goes back to, you know, that's what I want to show people is like, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And I, I really is something I, I truly believe in. Cause you know, I wasn't born with any, anything special. And I would say, yeah, I just, I, I consider myself a slightly slow learner and I'm, I'm very good at failing and messing up and, and quote unquote losing. And so when I figure out how to win, it makes that winning so much more sweeter <laughs> and being able to teach others how to win too. So, and, and obviously I advocate for love and happiness. And so it's awesome to be able to have a loving, loving wife and being, having a healthy body and doing what I love, working virtually and just walking my talk. So that's why I'm grateful for. Yeah. You're always so positive. One of the things that <laughs> I, I definitely love about you. So why don't you share your educational journey, how you got started to where you are now? I know some of this story because I've worked with you as a, as, as a coach. So I find it interesting that you took courses in sales and you've been able to leverage that to your obviously to your benefit. So go ahead. If it starts earlier than that, though, like when you were 12, I don't know, three, what were you telling, <laughs> you know, popsicles? Yeah, no, I totally was that that kid. So I well, so I was fortunate to grow up in an entrepreneur household. So I learned at a young age, you know, that it is actually possible to work on your own schedule, not have a limit how much money you want, you can make each year. And just understand that, you know, life doesn't have to have the rat race limits that's imposed on so many people around the world. And so I was that kid in sixth grade or seventh grade who would be selling chips at recess and making a few extra dollars each week and then thriving. But then my, my school shut it down, unfortunately, saying you can't do that during break. So that, that was too bad. But I was also the kid selling lemonade on the street. And that was such a good feeling getting those sales as well. And then in high school and college, I did some door-to-door -door sales to help build that muscle too when it comes to rejection. And so with the courageous thing too, you know, I've learned what Gary Vee says, it's so important and so crucial and definitely write this down for those listening in. If you never ask, the answer is always no. Yep. If you never ask, the answer is always no. And that, that's just such a great piece of advice because, you know, if you want a girlfriend, if you want a boyfriend... You got to ask people like, what are you interested? What do you like to do? What's your name? Like, <laughs> and, you, so, and if you get rejected, you know, you're still at the same space you were before where you're still boyfriend, girlfriendless anyway. <laughs> and so, you know, when, when it comes to sales, like, yeah, you might get turned down in sales, might get rejected, but you'd still have the same amount of dollars in your account as if you didn't ask them anyway. And of course, if they say yes, guess what? You know, have a happy relationship or, you know, have more money in your bank account. So it usually benefits you to ask. So, so going back to my journey. So the answer is, yeah, I did lemonade as a kid, sold the chips at recess. I did door-to-door -door sales. And then of course, when I was in college, I took a Toastmasters, which is a public speaking group. I recommend checking out for those interested in improving their communication skills. And the first year I went out to show you how good I am at failing, I got in the, in the competitions internationally, I got second place out of two people. Wow. <laughs> out of two people. I'm so going, funny. wow, I suck at public speaking. This is terrible. This is embarrassing. I, I'm never going to speak on stage again. And fortunately, I, I pick myself up again and go, okay, Andrew, you know, now I know what failure looks like. Let's try again and see what happens. 
And then the next year I got first place out of all of central and Southern Oregon. And that was at 22 years old. So I'm going, okay, this is maybe I'm onto something here. This is fun. This is cool. And so after that, I ended up working for a nonprofit called the Young Entrepreneurs Business Week. And for those based in Oregon, now it's called the Oregon Business Academy. And they just relaunched it this year where we taught professional skills to high school students. And so I got paid to travel around the entire state of Oregon, gave over a thousand presentations in three years, helped scale the nonprofit, helped learn how to sell from stage, book speaking gigs, and really hone down my my sales skills of you know how to constantly grow a company while making sure it's helping people too. And then after that, in 2019, I decided I wanted to be a full-time virtual entrepreneur. So I left the nonprofit job. It took me about six months to get my first client because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but then fortunately, I got my first client. And then I hosted an event called Fight the Fluff because I was tired of going to events where speakers would talk but not actually say anything. Mm -hmm. And because of the pandemic, that event ended up going virtual. One of the speakers ended up introducing me to Chris Komitsos, the CEO and founder of PodFest. He needed to be able to do a virtual event later in the year as well. The speaker introduced us and the rest is history as far as uh, yeah, me being the CMO, COO, right-hand man of Chris running PodFest the past three years, breaking two Guinness World Records. And of course, in the meantime, you know, keep helping other people with sales and accountability and making sure that they understand that if you're serious about what you want, because that's why I tell people that it's unfortunate not enough people actually know what they want in the world and what they're what and why they want it. And but if you actually know what you want, let's make it happen. Because why not? Because it, it there's a good chance someone else has figured it out. And if they haven't, then props to you for being able to figure out something that someone hasn't figured out yet. So that's why that's why I'm super passionate about love helping clients with is you know knowing what they want and making it happen faster whether it's getting paid $5,000 painful payments whether it's doing successful Kickstarter campaigns whether it's quitting their full-time job to be a full-time entrepreneur yeah I, I love I love coaching people to success. Yeah. I know that's true. I did, did not know that so I did not know that much of your story and I've known you for a while. So that was pretty enlightening for sure. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. Podcast. What's your podcast about? My podcast is called the Rapid Results Podcast with Andrew Weiss, Rapid Results Show, I should say. And even though I need to be slapped around for this, even though I got involved with PodFest in June 2020, you know, literally one of the biggest podcasting event conferences in the world. I didn't start my own podcast till January 2022, but I'm proud to say I'm 44 episodes in. It's been fun interviewing people each week, talking about entrepreneurial and business topics. And the goal of the podcast, why it's called Rapid Results is because I bring people on to talk about the mistakes that they made along the way and what they wish they had learned earlier in their journey so that other people don't have to make the same mistakes and can get to where they want to go faster. And for those listening in too, if you haven't started a podcast yet, you got to do it. It's the best excuse in the world to obviously people have podcasts for different reasons, but uh, I love my show so much because just, just like Isabella, it's an excuse to talk to whoever you want about whatever you want. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I didn't know that I'd be able to talk to someone like Bob Berg, who wrote The Go-Giver, one of the international top selling books of all time. And I was able to have a full on conversation with him on my show and all because I started a podcast. So I recommend it. So good. And I do love podcast, podcasting for sure. I was a little bit hesitant at the beginning, but I really do enjoy it so much. But what I enjoy even more is when I go to PodFest, I meet so many wonderful people. Oh, yeah. just, and they have just interesting stories. So, But they're just like the salt of the earth. They're really good, good people. 
Yes. No, that, that's my favorite thing about working with PodFest too. Cause obviously, you know, if you think I'm caring, you know, if you haven't met Chris yet, you know, Chris is also gives the shirt off his back to help support you make sure you're successful, make sure you're thriving. And it's just so awesome to be a part of a community where, you know, everyone actually goes to help each other. So rather than like, you know, what can you do for me and how can you help me? And it's just like, Oh, how, how can I help you without expecting anything in return? Just like being a part of that energy, that community is incredible. And, and as I said earlier, rising tide lifts all boats is definitely the mentality. And obviously I've been fortunate and going back to, I know what I want is I love being in careers and doing work that is, gives me fulfillment that I know I'm actually making an impact and giving back to the world in some way. And so PodFest definitely helps me do that because we help people start brands, monetize their brands, quit their jobs, being able to work with some of the top companies in the world because of being able to take a leap of faith by attending events like ours and connecting with some of the coolest people. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. So what was the hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life? Hopefully for the better. Yes. So one of the hardest lessons I've learned is having a victim mindset doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> and and I, and I chuckle after that because, you know, you know, I, I'm sure all of us have experienced pain and struggle in our life and We've had moments of woe is me. Why is this happening to me? This yeah. is awful. But you know that the people who are successful are the ones who say, you know what? Life's not about what happens to you. It's about what you do with it and, and how you navigate that. And uh, one analogy, a metaphor I liked is like, you know, everyone gets dropped on the ground. Are you going to be an egg or are you going to be a bouncy ball and, and bounce right back? And uh, there's another great quote I love too, where success is how high you bounce once you hit bottom. And because a good chance, a lot of people, everyone hits bottom and obviously being an entrepreneur, you might hit bottom a few times. And so I definitely was like my experience growing up with an entrepreneur household. There are good, good months, good years and bad years. So, yeah. but it's, but it's what you sign up for. And, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's definitely the hardest lesson. Cause in high school, what happened is, you know, eighth grade year, I was, I was on top of my game. I was the starter for the basketball team. I was the lead role in the school play. I was the president of the student body. Life was pretty great. And then I get to high school and it's one of the top high schools in Oregon, if, if not the country for academics and sports, I get cut from not just the A team, but the B team in basketball. I can't even get elected at the fourth top position in the student government. So I can't get elected to any position. And then when it came to the school play, I couldn't even make the ensemble background singer group. And so I'm going, and on top of that, you know, family life at home was bad. It was 2008. The recession was happening. The economy was bad. And I'm just going, you know, this, this is awful. This sucks, but you know, I, I don't want this to define me. And I'm, I gotta, I, I know I can either cry and give up on everything, but I know it, or I can just bounce back. And at that time I chose to bounce back, really get into personal development, learn how to be better at loving myself for who I am, figuring out what other skills and talents I can put in other parts of the school and, uh, and from there, I, yeah, the very next year, I was able to get involved in the school play. I was a, became president of the business club. I became I began leading retreats for the school, and uh, you know, relationships with the family weren't much better in high school. But that's uh, kind of what happens when you grow up in a competitive household. So, but mm. the answer is, the, the, but the better now, but the better now, which is good. So, but the answer is, yeah, just understanding victim mentality doesn't get you anywhere, and you just got to keep adapting. That is that is very true. Yep. And I think it's honestly human nature for people sometimes to feel that way. It's easy. It's easy to slide into that. It takes a lot more practice to not slide into it. Yes, I agree. Who in your life has had the biggest impact and why? 
Oh, I mean, I would say someone that's dead is Teddy Roosevelt. I definitely look look up to him and what he was able to do for this country. You know, he he came from a quote unquote privileged background, and he could have just you know chilled and and gone drinking and partying his whole life, but he changed the the country in so many incredible ways. You know, being able to start all these state parks, being able to bring bake down on the, the conglomerates of the companies that were trying to run the whole country, and he was able to shut them down and make sure they didn't take control monarchy over the whole country, essentially, because that's when the companies were bigger than the government itself. And just like the fact that he also advocated for uh, free speech and giving people and health and fitness and all that. And he had a sense of humor about him. And so, yeah, there's just so many incredible things about Teddy Roosevelt that I admire, look up to. And then of course, yeah, my father, just the fact that he's able to inspire us. He also has had a good attitude most of his life and been optimistic and helped took care of three boys, you know, getting divorced at eight years old. He was the one who ended up taking care of us and have a good attitude through it all. So I'd definitely say that those two people had a huge impact. Uh, interesting fact about also Teddy Roosevelt is that he also had polio. So he was- uh, And just, asthma. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't know that about our president. So he was truly inspiring in so many ways. Sorry to hear about your family, but it looks like you've helped them help to lead the way so that they can see a better way too. Yes. No, as, as I mentioned, you know, things get better and it's, it's kind of funny, you know, once- people stop going up to college or spending time apart from each other, then things allowed to get better about that. But maybe it's just being in such a enclosed space together for so long, you know, I guess that would drive anyone crazy. So <laughs> hopefully except your, your, your partner, your spouse, uh, don't want to anyway. So yes, the answer is yeah, things have gotten better. Fortunately. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. What would you like to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for leaving the world better than I found it for knowing that I could do everything I could to lead my life by example, showing that if I know how to live my dream life, that other people can do it as well. And just being able to be a great teacher and inspiration that life gets to be enjoyed. Life gets to be good. You know, we're so fortunate and blessed to be here on this planet. There's literally infinite possibilities why we shouldn't be here scientifically, but here we are. So might as well enjoy it. And I want to be numbered as the guy who helped make everyone's life better and the world better wherever I could. That's good stuff there too. This has been very, very enlightening, very positive for our listeners. So I appreciate that. We're going to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor, Transcend Network, and we'll be right back. Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support, and build a global founder investor network for edtech and the future of work technologies. The Intern Whisperer is affiliated with Employers for Change and we thank Transcend Network for being a sponsor of our show. And we're back to the second half of the show where we talk about what will 2030 look like? I don't know what movies you watch, but I've seen way too many of them, and some of them look really dark. So in some senses, I sit here and I think, oh, it's going to look like the Matrix. And honestly, many times I think we're in the Matrix. And then I'll (laughs) see, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey, where, you know, the machine is talking to us in the spaceship. And I go, oh, that's totally possible. And then sometimes it's Star Trek. And then you go in someplace else. And I notice I said Star Trek, not Star Wars. So (laughs) I don't know where you are on the fence of that. But any of Mm -hmm. those, they have shaped certainly, you know, how I see the future. But 
there are things like, uh, I don't know if you know this cartoon. I think you're too young. The Jetsons. And the Jetsons, is yeah, way back, I think it was in the 60s, 70s, I'm pretty sure 70s, it was a cartoon about this family, and they were flying in space cars, in space, and they lived in things that were so futuristic at that time, nobody could believe it. And it's actually now where we can say, oh, gosh, we have self-driving cars. Oh, we do have cars that can honestly fly. So... What do you think it's going to look like in 2030, which is right around the corner, basically six and a half years? Yes. Let's see. We're recording this in 2023. So my my predictions for 2030, you know, hopefully we we get better about figuring out. So what's great about 2023 and I think people forget is that this is actually one of the best times in the history of the world to be alive today. And the fact that there's actually the, the least amount of wars, there's the least amount of poverty, most amount of access to clean water, least amount of child mortality rates uh, at birth. And so pe- people forget that. And so as far as what, what's ahead for the future, I'd say the future of AI creation will be very cool in the, fa- in the sense that, so I've been following along with Runway, with, with Dolly 2 with the fact that you can put in a prompt and an automatic movie will be created. And so I wonder if they'll have to have separate awards for movies generated by AI versus movies generated by humans <laughs> because- Oh my God, yes, I would yeah, think so. Because yeah, it's kind of like, I like the analogy, you know, for all the sports competitors that love taking steroids and these, how we should just give them their own Olympics, give them their own sports. Like, yeah, do whatever drugs it takes to see if you can hit a ball 500 miles or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Like just let's just see what happens. So the answer is, yeah, I think you and I talked about earlier how like lines do need to be drawn when it comes to AI space and we need to get on the same page, the same board that, you know, it, it does need to be taken as seriously as nukes because, you know, it forget because you know AI is able to generate faces, voices, and so there's no need for real people anymore because of what AI can generate now. And so I definitely think there need, definitely needs to be hard lines in the sand, but also we need to recognize the tools that are available to us and how we can leverage it to our best ability. Because when it comes to technology, you know, we used to think that even reading was stupid and no one should look into reading because that'll ruin the world. Like why, why read and write when you can just talk to each other? And of course, Y2K, people are freaking out about that. But the answer is, yeah, I, I agree is that, you know, having a, a powerful, integral, honest committee of people that hold the law for what should and shouldn't be allowed in AI and that committee is respected and not corrupted. And in the meantime, maybe having separate AI versus human creations as far as what what they can each leverage for each other and, and being able to make that happen. So as far as I do think we will be all self-driving cars probably in the next 15 years. So I'll, I'll say by 2035, 2038, that all cars will be self-driving at that point. And then I'll, I'll say a prediction as well that uh, yeah, I think we are going to move to hover cars. So kind of like in Back to the Future, where you have like the cars on the ground and the cars in the air flying through each other. I can see that happening in the next 20 years. So it's, de- it's definitely exciting where our technology is heading. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. When I think about 2030, like I said, I've, I've been watching these shows. One of them is also The Future Of. They've talked about how our homes will be going vertical And it's going to be, to me, it's almost more like an Avatar movie because it's going to be feeling like the building is made out of plant life. And what you're going to have to have is a botanist 
to come and take care of your home and you can, oh, you want a chair? Then you have little plants that you can weave them together and then it grows into a little chair for you. Your clothes, you'd go into your computer and go, what do I want to wear? And 3D printed clothes will be sent to you or printed out for you. So I find it very interesting. Our food is going to be, you know, plant-based and it will be more of things that are grown in labs. Something else that they talked about, you're in New York, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. So in New York, they have something called human composting. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's, yeah. So instead of being buried in the ground or necessarily cremation, you can have yourself, I guess you go to the same place. They package you up so that you can be, I believe it's still a form of creation, but then you're put into a ball of with a tree, you know, a tree ball with the dirt and everything. And then that takes that, that I guess the DNA that's from us and it becomes some of this collective knowledge that's actually going into trees instead of the cloud. So there's so many things that are out there that are, it seems like it's science fiction, but they're actually doing it. And New York is one of the states that allows human composting. Oh, I think I've heard of that where, yeah, you you can opt to have your body be transformed into a tree or something like that and be planted into the ground so that yeah, when you when you're a tree, you're you reincarnated in a little bit. Yeah, so that 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 is that is interesting. I'm I'm sure other other states do that too. And of course, people are, are more several. yeah are more and more advocating for natural birth too because why spend thousands of dollars on a super fancy casket and tombstone? But but I understand obviously everyone has their preferences on things. I think I'm still currently leaning towards being on a Viking ship and sent off into the sea while I get burned. I think that'd be kind of cool, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that requires some type of a permit to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So when we're talking about these things about the future, it it's honestly just like anything that you've imagined and then it comes to fruition. Yeah. Uh, are you a Star Trek or a Star Wars person? I'd say yes. I, I appreciate both. We just, uh, yeah, Slisha and I, we just started watching Star Trek a couple months ago, going episode by episode. And so I finally have seen full episodes of the original series with ben, no, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and stuff like that. And then, of course, uh, yeah, growing up, I've seen all the Star Wars movies. I haven't seen the newest cartoons or Mandalorian shows or anything like that, but I've, I've seen all the movies. So. Where are you streaming that original Star Trek series? paramount plus currently yeah okay Okay. that's where it's located but you can watch the old movies from star trek on hbo so like wrath of khan and the what's what's the search for spock like you can find those movies on hbo but for the actual series it's on paramount for like 7.99 a month or something yeah that's interesting also i'm gonna have to go check that out i i was hoping they'd be the free ones but never mind yeah that's how it goes these days (laughs) one of the things that i like in in And I don't remember if it's actually in Star Wars, but I know it's in Star Trek. And this is why I was asking. In Star Trek, they have holograms where, you know, it's like, beam me up, Scotty, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you turn into materials, you know, particles, and then you get transferred across to wherever the location is. Oh, I would love for transportation to be developed. That's that's the one superpower request that I have is is teleportation. I think that would be so cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would be really, really interesting. And 
and I would like that too. But it also makes me wonder, like, <laughs> if you're dust and you're just kind of floating around, can you lose part of yourself that way? I don't. Oh, that's a good I question. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good question, actually. Yes, and of course, some people say that teleportation has already been discovered. It wasn't the Manhattan Project. Oh, it's like Operation Paperclip or something. As I think is when the <laughs> U.S. military is working on teleportation. So. Some people say they've already discovered it, but uh, it'd be cool if it was mainstream. It'd be interesting too. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it's already out there. It's just that we don't know about it. Oh yeah. And no, a lot of things we don't know about that's already out there. That, that, that's for sure. Especially with all the aliens. And and they say that's why we have such high tech advancements too, because of alien contact as well. So yeah, it, it'd be interesting to have alien contact in our lifetime too, or I guess alien con alien species that we can communicate with that aren't trying to kill us that'd be nice <laughs> yeah so are you a believer in aliens is that what you're saying oh of course yeah no I, do. Uh, I believe they can be real yeah you know I, I do like to quote too like we're either alone in this universe or we're not you know both are uh, both are scary <laughs> so, so yeah it'd be cool to ha have that kind of contact the next 20 years or so as well that'd, that'd be in my opinion it, as long as it's not violent <laughs> yeah Ideally. i agree i agree yeah and which brings us to robots i don't know did you grow up with the terminator yes i've seen all the terminator movies too oh yes it's not terrifying <laughs> for you no I'm, i mean obviously yeah you have to be careful with is it because like boston mechanics or boston dynamics or something boston, all their New, yeah, it's new technologies, but Boston Dynamics. Yeah, all, all their Boston Dynamics. Yeah, all their uh, robots are <laughs> they're looking pretty freaky. How they can do backflips and front flips and and stuff like that. And uh, apparently, I still need to watch the Black Mirror episode that uses the Boston Dynamics robot to stab people or something. Oh um, no, they hunt people down. They're they're yeah. traveling a pack. They, yeah, I've seen those shows, and they're terrifying because it really does put you in this place as to, well. What are the ethical dilemmas of what we create, right? Yeah. And how are we making sure that we are using it for for good, not to destroy each other? Yeah, exactly. So it goes back to yeah, line, lines need to be drawn, and and so yeah, just just like Jurassic Park, just because we can doesn't mean we shouldn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, yeah. I take it a little bit further because I think about it from the human perspective, because everybody says, oh, there's all going to be all of these jobs and people can use technology and STEM and everybody should be programmers. That's not true. What about the people that have mental dis you know, disadvantages and, and they may not be able to, or people that are down syndrome or just pick anybody with some type of a handicap. That doesn't mean that they can do it. And then if you look at even immigrants and how people have come over to this country, they may have been a doctor in their country, but when they come here, they can't because the license isn't there. So I sit here and I question what do we do with people? Because it terrifies me that we could possibly turn into some type of a Hitler state and go, oh, we just have to eliminate people. I know this is really dark. Sorry. That's really but, dark. Yeah, <laughs> That's very is, dark. These are the, the questions that have been put out there and the things that I'm reading and, and also, you know, just watching because people are not thinking through, they're not good people in the world too. And they can try and do things that are not good. Well, and, and I, so I'd say you have to kind of be careful about the slippery slopes and the rabbit holes. And obviously slippery slopes can apply and obviously rabbit holes can apply. But so, so for example, with chat GPT, like, yes, it could quote unquote 
eliminate 10,000 jobs. But then again, more jobs can be created because of the fact that you, you still need the prompt engineers to people actually put in the right prompts and make sure that chat GPT is always improving. And like, now you got to have some competitors of chat GPT to make it a little different as well. And, you know, the classic example too, I learned in college is obviously, you know, money is literally infinite. It's literally printed out of thin air. And there's always going to be some value that people can offer somewhere in some way, in, in my opinion. And I, yes, we're at 8 billion people in the world. And I think right now that they're still in the U.S. The U.S. still says that we're still some of the lowest unemployment rate ever. But, you know, the people could say this is some of our highest tech advancements ever in the last few years. Yet still unemployment's low. So the answer is, you know, creativity from humans is still miles ahead. You know, human touch is still good. Like, and yes, I get it that robots can quote unquote still replace these. But the answer is find the opportunities that still require your skill sets, create the skill sets that are going to be bulletproof and AI proof and recession proof. And those skill sets are sales, public speaking, communications, problem solving, negotiating, being resourceful. And so just understanding that there's always money somewhere and there's always opportunities somewhere. And like, even in the Great Depression. This guy was talking about the story how literally when people have to, had to wait in lines for bread and soup for the day, how people were still making money, you know, selling alcohol because that's where the opportunity was. So I, I'd say, yeah, we definitely need to get that ethical agreed upon board going as far as what AI can and can't do. But in the meantime, yeah, just understand there's always going to be opportunity for humans as well for those who look for it. Yeah, I believe that is part of what happened with the launch of ChatGPT. People gathered together. It was about a couple months ago where they said, hey, everybody needs to put a pause on this. Let's go and examine what it is we're doing and how do we put borders around what it is and, and determine who the people would be that would help hold us all accountable. Truly, you know, good work in there. And I would... I would want to be a part of that movement, honestly. I think yeah. most people should. We're going to be going over here to, oh, wow, the time has honestly slipped by too. So <laughs> it's all we're, good. we're moving pretty fast. Best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, some of the best mentoring advice I'd say is you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so pick those people carefully. And when I was going around teaching in schools, you know, an example I love to use is let's say that you want to be an astronaut someday. And of course, if you, not of course, but you know, if you talk to a random person and let's say who's working in the construction field and has been doing it since they were young and that's all they know is construction and they think astronaut being an astronaut is impossible to do. And you tell them, Hey, I want to be an astronaut one day. They're like, can't be an astronaut. Like that's way too difficult. It's way too challenging. Like only super geniuses can be astronauts and they'll probably not encourage it as much as you like. But if you tell an astronaut, hey, I want to be an astronaut one day, they'd be like, okay, well, uh, what schools are you looking to get into? How are you studying for it? What's you, what are you doing for physical training? Have you talked to this person yet? And, and so really going back to once you know what you want and spending time with people who align with you know where you want to be and, and, and who you relate to that aligns with your values and your ethics, take, take note of that. You, know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So Choose those people carefully, collect those people accordingly and, and make it happen. Mm, I like that advice. Do you know if that was somebody else or is that your original stuff? Oh, sorry. That's Jim Rohn who, who, who said that. So you're the average of five people you spend the most time with. And you know, Jim Rohn, yeah, he, he's the mentor for Tony Robbins. And I'm sure hopefully listening in, you've, you've heard of Tony Robbins, one of the yeah. most powerful life coaches in the world. 
So Jim Rohn mentored him and also like Jim Rohn's quote too, that apparently doesn't get quoted credited to him enough where he says, don't wish you don't wish you were easier, wish you were stronger. And so just like when you're lifting that, you know, 10 pound weight, you're like, oh my gosh, this is awful. But as you get stronger, you're like, oh, I can do this. And mm-hmm. so just like, as you increase your sales skills, like, oh, like, oh, I hate sales. This is boring. Mm-hmm. This is stupid. But as you get better and better, you're like, oh, this is great. I'm, and it's uh, helping people make all this money and, and that's, uh, I'm enjoying it more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can find me on social media. My handles are at the Andrew J Weiss and Weiss is spelled W E I S S. And so you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn at the Andrew J Weiss. We'd love to connect with you and hear about what you have going on in your world, how I can help and help you get what you want faster. That's what I advocate for. Mm-hmm. And of course, we always drop our guest LinkedIn profile. I think that I pulled your Facebook and also your podcast. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, can find check those out. And obviously, if you listen to my podcast, don't just leave this episode and this show review, but hopefully if you check out my podcast too, definitely review, let me know if you like any of my episodes. But obviously, Isabella is super awesome. So make sure to give her some awesome reviews too, if you haven't already. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, we're working on a goal of 20,000 downloads by the end of the year. You're appearing on a day when we actually dropped episode 250, which is obviously a big deal. So I'll be sending that in to Larry at PodFest to do a little announcement. And and I had sent when we hit the 10,000, but it was like Christmas. Nobody was paying attention to any of that stuff. And I asked him, I said, Larry, I think I need to send it again. So I, I think I'm just going to send it with the 11.5 and we hit 250. So double celebration. No, that's a incredible celebration. Congratulations again. I mean, yeah, 250 is not nothing to balk at. So I hope for those listening in, Isabel is a hard worker giving you value. And so Definitely make sure to keep tuning in each week as well. Uh, Thanks so much. Well, it's been delightful having you as a guest. Oh, and let's give a little shout out for your wife. She had a a big moment today also. Yes. So my wife is Salisha Thomas Weiss, and she just made her principal Broadway debut this week. She's in the show Once Upon a One More Time. It's a Britney Spears musical in New York City. They're opening. It's they're currently in previews at the moment, and they're opening June 22nd, 2023. So if you're in New York City, definitely check it out. She's an understudy swinging the show. So she might she's not on stage every night, but um, obviously message me on social media if you want to watch, watch her perform, see about getting backstage access. And uh, yeah, we're definitely celebrating her for making her principal Broadway debut as well. Yeah. And this show airs on June 27th. So she'll still oh, be on Broadway. Yes, she will. Yes, she will. <laughs> We'll tag her. Well, Andrew, I want to tell you, thanks so much for being a guest. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Long overdue. No, thanks for being such a wonderful host. This was a great time. I appreciate it. I will talk with you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our production team, producer and editor, Leona Blair, and music by Sophie Lloyd. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the intern whisperer by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.